Discourse, the podcast. Eric, you back again. We're we, we going to do this, uh, I guess it's going to be a weekly thing. We're going we gonna to get into it. Okay. All right. And we got, we got, I guess he wants to call himself the, the, the college football guru. Hold on. <laughs> I'm breaking up. My bad. And um, now, gentlemen, can I know in a long time? Yeah. Just want to have him say hello or introduce himself and have the people meet him and welcome him, welcome him to the, uh, the Random Discourse show. Brian. Yes. Uh, yes, sir. I am. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Me and uh, me and my man go back a long way. Um, our fathers were best friends and uh, we, we've known each other pretty much since birth. So. We always did spit about sports for a long time, and we're going to continue to do that now. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, very, uh, very, very humbled to uh, be asked to join the the podcast. I'm looking forward to uh, contributing as much as I can. I did have a little bit of a playing career. I played uh, in, in the state of Florida, was all state my senior year um, for the Rockledge Raiders, made it to uh, the state semifinals, and then um, played at Naval Academy uh, for three years. So got a little bit of playing experience. I, I know the sport to a degree. So uh, again, pleasure being here. Oh man, anytime, and that's what's glad up. Glad to have you. So, fellas, fellas, it's about it's finally time for some football. Yeah, finally <laughs> time for some football. Sweet uh, Jesus, man. Yeah, and we still have what a day, and a day, some hours, unfortunately, maybe some minutes, depending on when when. Uh, Whoever is listening to this is listening to it. We still still got a little time, but we might as well dive into one that will be known as the, uh, I guess, a precursor to somebody to some team's dreams and the downfall to their hopes and aspirations heading into the uh, college football season. But I know there's there's usually a lot of games on the on the first week and they have to spread them out all uh, through a three-day period starting on thursday and there's some entry there's there's a couple of intriguing matches on thursday i'm not sure which ones you gentlemen uh are thinking about are light on on thursday but uh brian you're new so I, you get first dibs on on which which matchup intrigues you the most? Let's just say on Thursday. Oh, you can go overall if you like. Well, sounds good. So, first of all, I think this is just uh, college football has always been my favorite sport, and I think this is the it's the best time of year because I love the fact that every team can say that they're zero and zero right now. Every team says they can win a national championship, a conference championship, make a bowl game, and like you alluded to, everybody kind of has those aspirations to have a special season. Um, I think if we're talking Thursday. I think that the matchup that intrigues me the most is Michigan-Utah um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, well, my wife went to the University of Michigan, so I've kind of been been made to watch a few of their football games over the past couple of years. But the main thing about Michigan is bringing Jim Harbaugh back to the Big Ten, that alpha male personality, a guy who went there, so who has a, a lot of pride about the, the program and wants to put them back in their rightful spot as one of the top five or six programs in the country. I think his first game would be intriguing no matter who he's playing, but the fact that he's playing a road team out west in prime time makes it even that much uh, more more exciting. I, I I can agree. I can agree. Um, it's just it's with with Harbaugh going to Michigan. You know, there's a lot of 
preconceived notions that he's just gonna inst- make it uh, make the team instantly turn around. You know, turn them into right. a uh, very competitive team, which I think he can do in some regards. But I'm not sure if that's just going to happen. And the Michigan fans may need to to um, ease back on their on their expectations just a little at least for this season and maybe for even next season. It just all depends on how it goes on the recruiting trail. But it is going to be a tough matchup going heading into Utah, especially with not being not being a um, not being used to the hardball style because he can be a little abrasive. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm just part of me just isn't sold on Michigan. What do you think, Eric? Oh, I think we have a little technical difficulty over here. Yeah, I'm having I'm having a little difficulties over here. I'm having a hard time even here. I'm here, Michigan, Michigan, hardball, and how they gonna get spanked by Utah? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess if that's what you take it from it, then yeah, but that's not what was actually said. But we're asking, what do you think about the Michigan uh, Utah matchup coming up on Thursday? Well, listen. We listening? I, I I can barely hear you. What what was the question? I apologize. I say, what do you think about the Utah Michigan matchup? No, I, I didn't hear what you said. What did you guys say? Yeah, because you guys are breaking up on me. What what did we say? Oh, we were just we, Brian was saying that, that you know his wife is a a Michigan alum. Oh, yeah. oh so okay, we just okay. asking your thoughts. Okay. Just um, initial thoughts. That's I, I all. think um I think it's a big game for Michigan. Um, but I, I think they walking into a trap. I, I, I think I, I think Utah's a good team. <laughs> Bear with us. Uh, Eric's having some technical difficulties. So tell me this. Now, Michigan's returning six. I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing and seeing y'all cuz. It's okay. Hold on. Let, let, let me leave and come back. Give me a second. Now, all right. While Eric gets himself together, Brian, it, Michigan's returning 16 starters um, from a team that honestly has talent but underachieved very, very much under Brady Hope. Now, yeah. I, th- I think a, a great majority of that was due to the lack of offense around Devin Gardner. I mean, they did have punches that was that was drafted in the first round, but other than that, they really didn't have players that lived up to their expectations um, from that the recruiting analysts gave them. And I think that kind of led to the sputtering offense that they did have, which I think was ranked like 112th last season. Which was yeah. ridiculous. You can't beat anybody with having no offense. I, I absolutely agree. I think that Michigan was an interesting team last year because if you really dig into the stats, their defense was uh, tops in the Big Ten, among the top three in the Big Ten in all major categories, yardage, points per game, turnovers, takeaways. Uh, But like you said, their offense never lived up to the expectations um, that they entered the season with. I think a big part of that with the offense is going to be attitude and identity. I think one of the best things that can happen to an offense is to have continuity with the offensive coordinator and 
knowing what your identity is. I think under Brady Hope, too often they were trying to change the personnel, or excuse me, change the system to fit the personnel. But I think that Harbaugh, Harbaugh has always shown that he does, whether it's been at San Diego, whether it's been at Stanford, or whether it's been at San Francisco in the NFL, he has set his identity. It's I formation. It's fullback running back. It's two tight ends. A little bit of play action sprinkled in there. But we're going to make you – we're going to make the defense hurt. And with that attitude and identity, I think his team will be able to buy into that, know what they're doing play to play, and I think they'll be able to execute a little better to match what their defense gives them. I agree. And and I was thinking about that. And because he that's the style of ball he wants to play and that he loves loves to play, well – I know Derek Green. Derek Green a couple of years ago was this phenomenal talent that was supposed to be going to Michigan and and transform the running back position for them. Now, under hardball, do you think there's a chance that he's actually going to live up to the hype? Um, Well, I shouldn't even say to the hype, but live up to the expectations that the hype machine has created for him? Because he hasn't thus far. That's a great question. I think – yeah, I think a lot of that I have to do with the offensive line, and uh, a big part is going to be how they how the games play out. I mean, if they get behind early in a couple ball games, it might be tough to stick to the run. Uh, but and you mentioned it to start off. I mean, this Utah game is so important to me. It's not only important, really, just the win or loss, but it's important to go ahead and establish this is who we're going to be as Michigan moving forward. Harbaugh. So to answer your original question, I think he has the size, the athleticism and the endurance to be that every down back, that 20 to 25 carry guy. It's just a matter of making sure the offensive line executes. They have a little bit of play action sprinkled in there to keep the safeties, you know, eight or nine yards off out of the box. And then going ahead and giving the bell cow the ball. Yeah. And I think one thing that both teams, well, I shouldn't even say both teams, but one thing that Michigan is going to have trouble with, which is quarterback play, and I don't think that Utah is going to have that issue because they do return Travis Wilson, their starting quarterback from last year, Devonta Freeman, their top basically re- returning playmaker. And he's getting some looks at pop being possibly a, a second, third round pick in next year in, in the NFL draft. And um, they're going to be phen- phenomenal. I mean, they have, as far as their, their rushing attack, that's what Utah does. They they still yep. kind of live, eat, breathe off of that Urban Meyer installed system yeah. from all those years ago. And I, I want to see how that Michigan defense is able to keep up with that because, like you said, they have a very good defense, and it's only yep. going to get better better with the addition of Jabil Pepper, Peppers into that uh, secondary. Yeah, that guy can just flat out play. I watched a lot of his uh, high school tape. And I also uh, tried to really focus on him the first couple games last season before he got injured. I, I, what I've read so far going into this season, that they're actually going to move him to more of a roving defensive back, so not just sticking him at corner and putting him on one side, but more making him like a nickel back or some teams call it like a spur and letting him kind of rotate between linebacker, safety, corner, nickel back, whatever suits the defense. But that kid's a playmaker. He's going to make a lot of plays if he stays healthy for Michigan this year. He is. He is. And as much as people are talking about how important a game this is for Michigan, it's it's just as important for Utah to establish what type of team they're going to be in that crowded Pac-12 division. Because the Pac-12 right now is borderline. um, I shouldn't even say borderline, but they're in competition with uh, the SEC is being the top one of the top conferences in all of college football, and that's no easy feat 
to, to a conflict. And Utah is one of the main reasons why people are thinking that because of the added depth that they did that division. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Utah has kind of established themselves. Well, before they joined the Pac-12, they had established themselves as one of those non-BCS teams that that tended to be always in the national championship hunt or at least the BCS bowl hunt. Um, and even when Urban Meyer left and Kyle Whittingham took over, they seemed to continue that. People sometimes forget they that 2009 Sugar Bowl where they went into the, the Sugar Bowl and just gave it to Alabama early in Nick Saban's tenure there. So that program has established themselves as a solid team year in and year out. The one thing that I think I'm mainly concerned about and wanting to focus on early in the season to see how Utah um, reacts to it is the coordinator change. The mm-hmm. defensive coordinator for uh, for uh, Utah left, um, Kalani Sataki. He had been there for about five or six years, really established an attacking, blitzing defense with a very strong defensive line that was strong against the run. He's now gone to Oregon State. They got a new guy in there. Haven't seen a lot from him, and I'm really interested to see if they continue to be that attacking, stout defense or if they try to change a few things up and maybe – uh, the results are different. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see, which again, that's, that's why I hate to be so pro Michigan here, but I really feel like Michigan has a good shot in this game, mainly because of the turnover of that defensive coordinator. I think that's going to be a big deal early to see if they're changing their defensive style or they're going to keep trying to roll with the same thing. I, I, I agree with you. And to, to even build on that, that point is the, the Utah defense is replacing two second-round draft picks in Nate Orchard and Eric Rowe, which were mm-hmm. important players and playmakers for that defense that they're going to have to find um, replacements for. Now, I think they may have one in Lowell Latui, who is Star Latui's younger brother, and okay. he played phenomenal as a uh, freshman. And he's only going to step into a larger role now that he's coming into the going into his second season in college football. And I wonder if he's going to be as dominant as his brother, but that's yet to be seen. But I, 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 I would like to lean toward Michigan, but I'm, I'm only the reason I, I would say I'm pro Utah with this is because they're playing at Utah at night. Yeah. And Michigan Michigan doesn't not yet know who is going to be their starting quarterback. And that's a big problem. Oh, you're absolutely right. I agree with that. Now I want to touch on Washington and Boise State. Just for the sheer fact that Chris Peterson is facing his old Boise State team. Mm-hmm. And I know Washington is going to be down a little, but something about Chris Peterson teams when he was at Boise State, how uh, they, they, they were just always well coached, never made the mistakes. They just were always in the right positions and knew yep. what they were what they were supposed to do. And they're, it's basically going to be a mirror image of themselves playing Boise State because they still have that old staff there and all his old coaches that are that are going to be training up the kids at Boise. I just wonder what, what's going to happen because Washington has a lot of holes to fill. And will they be able to make it a competitive game? Uh, that's a great that's a great game to talk about. I think that's a uh, that one's really intriguing to me. I'm always interested in the the classic teacher versus the student 
um, type of games. I mean, this guy that the, uh, the the current coach of Boise State, I believe, both played under and coached under uh, Chris Peterson at some point. Um, and uh, when Chris Peterson left for that job at Washington, I was I was semi shocked last year. But I think what he saw is a chance to uh, be contending for Rose Bowls and national championships every year at a BCS team, as opposed to staying at a non BCS conference. So going into this game, I think the biggest question mark in my mind for for uh, Washington is the quarterback position. Uh, they had a decent quarterback last year who seemed like he had a little bit of uh, a little bit of upside. And Siler Miles, I believe he was. Um, yeah. yeah, he threw for over three thousand yards. He made a lot of uh, athletic plays with his legs. I believe some off the field issues uh, caused him to to leave the program. So the biggest question I have is who's going to be their quarterback. And when they, when they establish who that quarterback is, what what playmakers around him are gonna are gonna help him make plays? And I don't think they have any though. That's the be, issue. Yeah, I don't think they have any playmakers around, or at least none that are just ready made and waiting to step up and and show what they have. Now I'm quite sure they have uh, talented players on that team. Yeah. I mean, they they still have some of the Sarkeesian leftovers, and Sarkeesian was an excellent court. Uh, recruiter and still is an excellent recruiter i'm saying was like he doesn't coach anymore (laughs) um it's just yet to be seen what type of talent that peterson is is brought in because i'm quite sure he wants to get his own guys on the field that that are going to fit the mold that he is wanting to fit the mold of the type of team that he wants to put on the field and i agree with you I, I, i i i that loss of silent miles really hit hard for a kid that to be responsible as much as the offense that he was to not be coming back, it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a really rough season for Washington. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you to a, to an extent, the one area is just speaking strictly on this Boise game. I, I personally think people are a little too high on Boise. Um, I think Boise has established themselves much like Utah as a very solid program. They're always going to be able to win nine, 10 games a year, especially in the Mountain West. But I feel like the end of their season last year, that bowl game against Arizona is making some people think they're a national championship contender. And I feel like that's one of the reasons they are ranked in the top 25. But honestly, I think Washington athlete for athlete, position for position matches up very well with Boise. And I I looked at some of the spreads just to kind of get a a, a flavor for what what Vegas thought. And I think I saw Washington as a 12 or 13 point underdog. I see no way that game is a double digit game. It's a situation where Peterson has a well-coached team. As much as they struggled to learn his system last year, I think he did one of the best coaching jobs in the country in getting them to eight wins. You put in a new system with new players and a freshman quarterback, oftentimes you have a non-bowl season, but they won eight games. And they even lost a couple last-second games. I believe they lost a last-second matchup to um, to Arizona on like a Hail Mary or last-second field goal. So they were that close to getting nine or ten wins last year. So I, I think this game is going to be a closely contested game. Boise State's breaking in a new quarterback, which is always difficult in week one, especially when you're playing a tough uh, tough opponent like Washington. I, I think the game comes down to a field goal, honestly. Um, And I, I can understand your sentiments with that. And – I do think that Boise State is I think I don't think they're overrated and I don't think they're underrated. I think they're properly ranked for right now. Because you you can't disrespect what they've done and been able to accomplish. Granted, it's in the Mountain West, but still they've beaten some major division teams 
and what major conference teams and that goes a long way in the eyes of the voters especially in preseason yeah and, and, and in returning 16 starters eight on offense eight on defense is isn't anything to to shake your head at now granted they are needing to um replace their quarterback and their their running back but that 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 can be taken care of <laughs> the thing that they need to be careful of is running out of athletes to to play with Washington. And yeah. because that's the biggest difference when you're in one of these smaller conferences, you don't have that depth right. that some of these major conference teams have. And I, th- I think that's what the uh, Boise State is going to run into. And I wouldn't be surprised if Washington pulls off the uh, upstate, the upset, because this this is probably a trap game for Boise State, and it sucks that it's the first game of the season because yep. if they lose, you might they might as well hang up their their playoff hopes. Yep, I, I agree with you on that one. Oh man! All right, two seconds on uh, TCU Minnesota. Who do you, what do you what do you think about that? I think it's going to be a blowout to epic proportions, and I love Jerry Kill. I, I love Jerry Kill and what he's been able to do with that Minnesota team, but they don't have the, the horses to run with TCU. Yep, I, I tend to agree. With, I don't think we'll uh, – like you said, we probably don't need to spend too much time on this one. We're on the same page here. The key things that I will point out is that Minnesota started off really strong last year. And, uh, I mean, they had a very good season, especially for their standards, but they lost three of their last four games, and they gave up an average of 30 points per game in those last four games, um, including 33 points to Missouri in the bowl game. And and none of the offenses that they played at the end of the season were near the caliber and experience and explosiveness of the TCU squad. Trayvon Boykin being one of the Heisman front runners, they returned 10 starters on offense, I believe, including five offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I can see, I can see TCU dropping forty or fifty, and and the TCU defense, Gary Patterson defense, are always strong. So I can't see Minnesota getting more than seventeen. So I agree. I think it'll be a twenty plus point game. Man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Minnesota quarterback Mitch Mitch Leader. I've watched him play, and I'm uh, and I will say this: I think Mitch Leader is what got Max Williams drafted into the second round. <laughs> That's just to be honest. How bad his quarterback play was, and how well that he had to play in order just to to, to make some of those catches. But Mitch Leader is going to give this game away. He, he's not yeah. a good quarterback, and and I know Jerry Kill. He's he's good coach and he's probably searching for somebody another option under the center that yeah he has to be yeah and I, I think minnesota looking forward as long the biggest thing for minnesota early in the season in my opinion is don't let this first game dictate your season even if you get blown out or beat by tcu in a home game they're going to be very competitive in the big 10 they, they have the ability to win six or seven games easily and maybe even get to eight but they just can't let this this loss which we're assuming is going to be lost they can't let this one end up causing them to lose in week two or three because they have that hangover effect. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, a, I know they're probably going into the, going into the game with a uh, chip on their shoulder in Minnesota. That is because they did get dusted last year, 30 to the tune of 30 to seven, which was a bigger blowout than the score actually tells. Yep. So we'll see what they're able to do. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we could get into the meat and potatoes now because Saturday is when all the fun happens. That's yeah. when all the magic happens, and it and it starts off with what? Louisville Auburn. Yeah, that's um. I think Louisville Auburn that that'll kind of get our our palates wet for the day. Um, I was joking with some of my friends earlier today that CBS 
uh, theme music at 3.30 on Saturdays. Oh, it's man. The <laughs> it's, the best, it's the best time slot in sports. I mean, that SEC matchup, a big-time matchup always. And in this case, you got an Auburn team who has SEC West, SEC, and national championship um, aspirations. They're going to be playing against a team in Louisville that has the ability to beat some teams. They almost beat Florida State last year. They went toe-to-toe with a couple other people in the ACC. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm really looking forward to that one. It is. And I don't think a lot of people realize how good that Louisville defense was last season. Yeah. And how good they have and how good they can potentially be this year. Now, granted, they're they only returned four starters, but just because they're returning four starters, there were a lot of players that got uh, to see the field last season because Louisville was dealing with a bunch of injuries and. Bobby Petrino, he's back in his, back home for and he wants to get this team back to the levels he had them at before he decided to go to Arkansas and um, put a detour in his career. Yeah. I I, I do think that um, Louisville with returning Reggie Bonifield, because I, I liked him as a freshman. He he showed the potential to be uh a good quarterback in for in college football standards. Now, if we're talking NFL, that's totally different. But we're talking college football and what he'll bring with Bobby Petrino's system. I think that's something that uh, can't be overlooked. My only thing is, who's he going to throw the ball to? Because right. They are returning the only receiver that they're returning caught seven passes for fifty-seven yards and two touchdowns. I was like, you 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 can't live with that. You really yeah. can't. And, and if you recall, when Devontae Parker um, got injured last year, that offense was rolling. And then when he was out, teams were able to go back and play man coverage on him, blitz a lot, didn't have to have a safety over the top to to, to, to account for uh, for Devontae Parker. And that offense really struggled. And uh, I, I don't know you're, – you're right. I think they're going to have to find playmakers to help out their quarterback and help Petrino's system. Here's what my biggest issue with Louisville is and with Petrino in general. Petrino has never put an emphasis on defense. His teams at Louisville when he was there were not very good defensively. His Arkansas teams with Ryan Mallett, even when they were rolling in the SEC, they did not have good defense. And if you look at the way they ended last year, those last two games, they gave up 40 points to Kentucky, which is an SEC bottom dweller, and then they gave up 37 points to Georgia in the bowl game. They're not trending in the right direction to be able to handle Auburn's explosiveness on offense. Now, I know that's last season, and and things will change year to year, but they lost too much on defense, I think, to keep this one close past halftime. I, 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 I'm with you on that. I, I understand where, where you're going with that. But also, I think he has put some emphasis on defense because okay. he brings in he, – he's bringing in uh, a pair of highly recruited players that didn't fit at their last school. And I should say more than a pair, but the two that sh- should end up starting – and Josh Harvey Clemens, who was at one point in time the number one rated outside linebacker in his class, and I think they, they switched him to um, his strong safety position because he was always pretty lean to be an outside linebacker, and Shaq Wiggins. Now, they got both of those players from that same Georgia team that beat them. They ended up transferring to Louisville, and and Shaq Wiggins was the number six rated cornerback in his class in 2013. And don't forget, they still return uh, at defensive tackle and and at linebacker, respectively. You, you have Sheldon Rankins, who ended up with 14 and a half tackles for loss, plus nine sacks that D-line, and James Burgess, who had 71 tackles, 10 tackles for loss. You know, so and it's I, not I wanna, they lack talent. 
And, and I need to throw one more in there because you're absolutely right. I also forgot about the transfer of Devontae Fields. He's coming over from um, – he, he was with TCU for a while, got kicked off the team after some off-the-field issues. But he was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, he can make an immediate impact off the edge, definitely. Can and, you guys hear me? Yeah, yes, Eric. We hear okay, you. I just wanted to make sure I was back. I'm going to make it real simple for y'all. This is Auburn at night, uh, Auburn in the evening. <laughs> That offense is going to be way too much. They're going to they're going to run Louisville out of the off the field. They're going to run Louisville off the field. Now Louisville's a good team. If we talking Terry Bridgewater Louisville, then maybe I give it to y'all. You know, we talking all kind of weapons on offense. The defense is legit, but I think Auburn's offense is going to be way too much. I'm taking Auburn in a blowout. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I said it before, and um, I, I I did say this in um, when we were doing our college football preview that. Jeremy Johnson is my dark horse um, for the Heisman Trophy. I, I like what he did when he was able to start that half for Nick Marshall last season. And I wonder why would Gus Malzahn even take him out of the game when the offense was rolling on all cylinders? He was able to, to effectively utilize the talent that they had at wide receiver and, and, and Duke Williams and Sammy Coates at the time who's now yep. with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's back. He's a junior. I think he I think Gus, to his own fault, is only going to get one year out of Jeremy because he's going to put up such phenomenal numbers in that offense and make that offense even more balanced because they're a power downhill running team. Just because they run that fancy offense, they go straight at you and like to bust you in the mouth on offense. And yep. it only helps with having a your passer back there where you can fake that handoff and then next thing you know you're getting a ball dropped on the money no matter if it's a, if, if it's on the fly if well, no matter what route that the receiver is running it's going to be on the money yeah i agree with you i think jeremy johnson is a dark horse heisman candidate i think that he has all the tools uh to be to, to run Malzahn's system i also think he does have some ability to use his legs to to, to get a few first downs on third and short third and eight or nine. And I think what Nick Marshall did for Auburn's offense last year, people are going to be shocked to see how much Jeremy Johnson can do with that offense and with those weapons they have. So me and you are in full alignment. I think we're all in alignment here on this one. I, I can't see any way Louisville with, with what they're returning on defense, being able to stop this offense. No, it, it's not. No, you say, I don't think people are going to be surprised what Jeremy Johnson can do. I don't think Nick Marshall ran that offense to his potential. <laughs> I, really I don't. Didn't. <laughs> really I, didn't. If I was Gus, I would have said, Nick, go on and play some DB. Get ready for your pro career. You can play DB wide receiver, one of the two, but you need to start looking out for your uh, future. And I just stuck Jeremy in there. No hard feelings to Nick, but it is what it is. We got to get the, all the talent, the best talent on the field at all times. And that's yep. similar to what, um, you know, Urban Meyer does, what, Nick Saban does what, what all great coaches do. And I think that's one, one, one area that Gus Malzahn has lacked during his tenure at um, Auburn because Auburn has always had the talent, always had the talent. <clears throat> but that's not even my biggest question or, or even the, the thing that makes me most excited about Auburn this season. The, mo the thing that makes me most excited about Auburn is their new defensive coordinator, the former Gator head coach, Bill <laughs> Muschamp. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I'm a Gator. 
Boom. But boom, boom is going to turn that defense into a top ten defense. Why? And he better because if he doesn't, if he doesn't, they won't win the SEC and they definitely won't win the West. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, what what Muschamp does with the defense, he he, what he needs to be as effective as possible, and he's had it all his previous stops. So he's been at Texas, he's been at LSU, he's been at Auburn before, and even at Florida, he always had elite defensive backs because he likes to play man coverage, blitz, almost every play. He's bringing some type of extra guy. He's going to bring a fifth or sixth guy in every play and play man coverage in the backfield. I think with Auburn's recruiting, he'll be able to do that. He'll be able to play man against most of the teams in the SEC. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. That that defense will make leaps and gains from what they did last year with Muschamp calling the plays. Well, the, the the best thing for them is that offense, and and the best the best defense for them is their offense. And I think while while the defense catches stride, I think the offense is going to cover for them early. And then I mm-hmm. think later on in the year, you're going to start to see the defense that that West month that that the Muschamp defense, that boom Muschamp defense you guys have been talking about. I think toward the end of the year is when you see it, and and then we'll see the last game of the season if they could get it done against uh, Roll Tide. Um. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you can't even skip over that. The, it, who they have to play in the East? They have to get through Texas A&M. They have to get through LSU. They have to get through all those. They have to get through the gauntlet of the West before they even see the Godfather that is Alabama. Right. So, <laughs> right. let's, let's not even let's not even uh just just skip over those teams because LSU is going to be good. Texas A&M is going to have a bounce yep. back season. And I mean, you just can't forget about that. I just want to know who. who Who's going to be the next thousand yard rusher from Alzon in that offense? Because they lost Cameron Artis Payne. They don't have um who was the running back before Cameron Artis Payne? Trey, Trey Mason. Yeah, Trey Mason. They yeah. don't have Trey Mason. I, they didn't really let uh a, a second running back really touch the ball. It was all Artis Payne and Nick Marshall last season. So that's going to be interesting because the running back position is very important in in the miles on offense. Yep, I agree. All right. So, talking about let's stick in the SEC West. Let's stick in the SEC West. Let's talk. Let's let's go with Eric's uh, homeboy, Kevin Summerlin. Oh, Texas that's my homeboy. Yeah, it's your homeboy. I, it's, I, I, I ain't been raving about that dude. <laughs> right, that's that's, your, that's you talking Texas a and I'm over here. I'm I'm Nick Saban to prove it otherwise. <laughs> I'm I'm Nick Saban to prove it otherwise. But I think. I think Coach Summerlin is going to have a bounce back year. Um, I, I think Texas A&M is going to have a bounce back year, but they got a real tough game uh, that first game of the season, um, you know, going against Arizona State. And you talk about one of the best teams in the, in the Pac-12, uh, Todd Graham bringing back a, a pretty good defense. Um, I, I think those boys are ready to take the next step. I, I think this is, is – as much as I want to say that uh, this will be the game that jump starts uh, Texas A&M this year, I, I think this is the game – that that uh, that that Arizona State scares a lot of people out west, and Arizona State lets everybody know that they're for real, unless USC know that it's going to be a long season. So um, I, I'm looking, I'm looking for Arizona State to come in and win a tight game. I, I mean, that, I, I definitely think you made some great points there. I think that uh, Arizona State's kind of often an, an overlooked team in the Pac-12 in the past decade or so, and then they've kind of reestablished themselves recently. But it seems like all the talk I've heard of the Pac-12 has been USC, UCLA. Uh, Stanford, Oregon, and people are kind of sleeping on Arizona State. The one thing I will say about Texas A&M that will help change their identity, Will Muschamp took a lot of the headlines by being the the best defensive coordinator to be 
hired somewhere else as he went from Florida to Auburn. But kind of under the radar, John Chavis, who had been at LSU for about six or seven years and had made LSU that constant. I mean, they get about eight or nine guys drafted a year. John Chavis um, has moved over to Texas A&M, and I feel like Texas A&M has always been able to put points up. Their issue has been they can't stop anybody. So if Chavis is able to quickly turn around that defense and have a few wrinkles in there in week one, I do think Texas A&M does have a shot in that game. But I'm with you. I think that's going to be a close one either way. I I would probably lean towards Texas A&M because I'm an SEC guy and I always trust that speed early in the season. Uh, But but I think it's going to be a good one. I agree with you. Uh, the only thing that worries me about John Chavis going to that Texas and um, going to Texas A&M and just in general with that Texas A&M defense, the biggest issue and the biggest issue with that Texas A&M team in general is that they have lacked they have lacked discipline under Summerlin's watch. I mean, even if it's just uh, the, the greatest example is Johnny Manziel and all the ish, off the field issues that he mm-hmm. brought. To the and I think that's what festered into other parts of the team and especially on the defense where there were a lack of assignments um, and everything else, which led to all these big plays and points being put up on them. And when you go back and look at LSU's defenses, how disciplined were they really? They relied more so on the talent than being playing a disciplined scheme uh, and disciplined football in general. And I just don't know if John Chavis is going to make that big of an impact on that team, I just think that team just needs to change all together. And someone needs to make change his approach. I'm I'm gonna say this on on offense, on offense, they're just fine. I, I I think they got one of the most explosive offenses in the country, as you said, that SEC SEC speed. But I don't know if you guys watched Texas AM the last couple of years. I think they've lacked talent. They've had to hell with with scheme. They have had no talent on the defense, no pass rush up front. They can't stop the run, which definitely means you can't stop the pass. It's always a shootout. Um, I I don't know if that's scheme or if that's recruiting, you know. And, I mean, you got to remember, they were coming from the Big 12, coming to the SEC. I I would imagine um, that offensively that would probably be a better, easier transition. I mean, Missouri didn't have that problem either. You know, offensively they came on the scene explosive and and won the East. So – you know, I, I think they just – they didn't have the talent. And I think um, I think the new defensive coordinator helped. They are in Texas. Um, you know, I don't know if they're, they're running Texas um, maybe for the last couple of years, you know, uh, recruiting-wise. But I, I think it's more of a matter of talent in, in that situation because I, I think I think if they if, – if, if schematically they can combine that with a little bit of talent, I think they'll give Arizona State some uh, – they'll give them some problems, man, but – I I, I I don't know, man. I like Arizona State, man. Arizona, did I say they were my sleeper the other day? I don't know. I'm convincing <laughs> myself that I like Arizona State, man. I like USC, but Arizona State on defense, defensively, I think I, I think you're going to see them. I won't say shut down Texas A&M, but I think they're going to frustrate them early. Texas A&M's defense, like I said, is has been is suspect at best. I, I'm I'm going Arizona State in the close one, man. Okay. Okay. Now you say that Texas A&M lacks a pass rush. Now they do have a young name, young man named Miles Garrett on that defensive line that did have ten sacks as a true freshman in the SEC West. So you can't sleep on him. Now I will give you, I, I will agree with you on your point to say that they lack talent on defense. It's not that Summerlin can't recruit. It's just he doesn't recruit defensive talent. He only looks for offensive talent. When when you look at the big names that he brought, he, he's brought into that that school, 
outside of Miles Garrett, it's all been offensive talent. Ricky Seals Jones, Speedy Noel, Cal Murray, Cal Allen, you know, quarterbacks, things like that. People that can get the ball out in space and take off and go. He's like, he's recruited well on the defense a lot. I mean, excuse me, on the offensive line. But I, I will give you that. He has not recruited the defensive side of the football that well. And I think maybe that may be because it, he's been lacking that good um, defensive coordinator to help him out. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's where Shade this makes an impact more so than discipline on the field. Maybe it's just being able to bring in that next level of recruit on the defensive side because they've been slack. They've been they've been they've fallen behind a down Texas team in recruiting. They're behind a Baylor team in recruiting right now. They're really behind a TCU team in recruiting, which is and in, in, in the state of Texas, that's very big because you have teams like Oklahoma coming in to poach in that state, and you you got teams from Florida to come poach in that state, and LSU is poaching. UCLA, they coming against some of them. Texas Everybody's boys. coming against some of the Texas boys. And if you don't have anything to offer them, they're not going to go to Texas A&M. It's like, yo, I see your defense. Your defense has been slacking. You haven't had anybody drafted in the first round. Or even – I would, I, I dare to say they haven't had anybody drafted in the first three rounds in a long time. So, I mean, it's, it's, that, that's, that, it's going to be an intriguing matchup. And I think – I wouldn't be surprised if Texas A&M won because they are better at putting up points on the board than Arizona State. Yep. And that's one thing that I can say that they can. And they're at home. And they're at home. That 12th man, man can make all the difference. Uh, I, yeah, no doubt. But I do, I do think that Todd Graham and that Arizona State football team will come ready to play. But it's, it, there's been a running theme right now with all of these teams starting quarterback like Ty Graham is is bringing in a brand new starting quarterback as well and it was like look you got Mr. Everything and DJ Foster but he can't throw the ball to himself and hand the ball off to himself somebody's got to help him out I I think you're absolutely right that's one of the points I actually wanted to touch on I think the, the the landscape in college football and the way it's changed it used to be a situation where if you didn't have a starting quarterback returning people dismissed you and you weren't top 25 or anything like that What's actually going on now is that you can have most of your talent around you coming back and just kind of plug and play that quarterback because either your system's great or your quarterback coach along with the offensive coordinator and head coach are able to groom those quarterbacks. I mean, you look what Urban Meyer did last season, going from Braxton Miller to JT Barrett to Cardell Jones. To me, it proved that more more systems are are plug and play these days because I was looking through the list. Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss just announced their starter on Monday. It was a quarterback battle all the way up to that point. Florida State just announced their starter yesterday. Um, Alabama, Florida, Michigan, traditional powerhouse programs still haven't named a starter, yet people are expecting big things out of some teams like Alabama and the LSUs and the Ole Misses of the world. So I think it's just amazing how the landscape has changed so much that the starting quarterback is no longer always the most important position to identify in the spring or in the fall. Well, I, I think those those last few teams you named get so much talent everywhere else mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter. I don't know if – I think Arizona State, it, it, to, to compare to, to those SEC teams you just named, such as Alabama, LSU, Georgia, I don't know if they have the same amount of talent or, or if, if Arizona State has the same amount of talent it, that, that those teams have. You know, you, Nick Saban's had a number one 
recruiting class the last four years. <laughs> he's missing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he go, he could probably he could be the quarterback and they'll and they'll win seven games. <laughs> like they're 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 just fine. You know, all the, those SEC teams, Ole Miss, man, Ole Miss the last couple of years has done a hell of a job recruiting. They're yeah. they're waiting and if and they all play in the same division. That that that's what's crazy to me. So yeah, you're right, man. It's it's plug and play in the SEC. Um, and and for some teams, Arizona Arizona State might be one of those teams. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, I got to clear my throat. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you you, you want to talk about uh, recruiting quarterbacks? Uh, it just had it just go off on a side tangent right now. If you want to talk about recruiting quarterbacks and the fact that the quarterback position has maybe fallen off a little bit. I don't think the quarterback position is falling off. I just think there's so many kids out there going to these camps, running these seven on seven drills and everything else that it's a lot easier to get a quarterback and you bring in maybe five, six, seven quarterbacks, a la Nick Saban, what he does in Alabama and just have them hold a competition all the way until the first week and may the best man win. And when that best man wins, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's no more competition. It's your show to run. Now, if you mess up, we just have to go with it. <clears throat> but I so hope, I so hope that Texas gets their act together with their quarterback position. <laughs> I so hope they get their act together with their quarterback so Texas get their act together, period. <laughs> no, it's not Texas doesn't need to. Look, listen, Texas is, a, is still – Grade A prime beef home talent, as far as you know, that that's almost number numero uno A and uh B between Texas and Ohio State right now, as far as recruiting. You say the name Texas, kids know the, the know Texas. You could go to the East Coast, the West Coast, Midwest, kids know Texas, and kids still want to go to Texas. And they they get all the they get first dibs at the best talent in the, mm-hmm. in, the, in that state. Yep, yeah, I tend to agree with you as far as getting the talent. I just find I just feel like it's been such a. I'm, I'm with you. I want to see Texas be great again. It's always I feel like college football is better when some of those traditional state powers like Michigan and Texas are, are playing well. Um, I think Charlie Strong is going to get the job done eventually. They just need to give him time, but. Speaking of this year with Texas and the quarterback, Tyrone Swoops was a top recruit. I mean, he's a good player, dual threat, can throw the ball, can run the ball, can run an offense. But to me, he kind of has that deer in the headlights looks at times. Like he doesn't know what he wants to do, doesn't know where he wants to go with the ball. And he he plays a little nervous out there. And I'm just – I'm really worried about him going into Notre Dame. Again, a a game that's going to be at night, and it's going to be a raucous crowd, and it's going to be a very good Notre Dame team. I'm worried that his ego might be bruised early in that game. And if they end up losing that game and he plays poorly, what does that say about how he's going to play for the rest of the season? Does he have the the internal, you know, attitude to be able to turn the season around if he has a bad game that first game? See, I, I don't know. I I, I think it's a, another disaster in the making, honestly, because uh, Notre Dame is coming back with a chip on their shoulder, man. Nor, Notre Dame is, uh, is coming into the season knowing that, they 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 were one of those teams that could have made it to the to, to the college football playoff as well, and they're they're another traditional power that's always talented, always getting recruits. Um, if you don't have your quarterback situation uh, set going to South Bend, you in trouble. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I think, like you just said, man, um, I, I think that's going to affect them in the in the 
in the slightest. And Notre Dame, you, you're talking another blowout, if you ask me. But see, this is the thing. I I, I know what you're saying with Tyrone Swoops, and I agree. He does have that deer in the headlight, headlights look. But I don't think Tyrone Swoops ends up finishing the season in Texas as a starter. Honestly, <laughs> I don't. I think the freshman, um, Gerard Hurd, who's – a little bit more talented in who everybody is opining for to get that starting position will end up taking that over. And I think he ends up gaining it in that Notre in the Notre Dame game. I, I really do because Tyrone Swoops, for all he, he's been there what three years now and hasn't been able to accomplish anything, hasn't been right. able to establish himself as a as a worthwhile starting quarterback. I mean He's won this won this QB race right now because of his experience. But experience can only get you so far. Mm-hmm. If you can't throw the ball to an open receiver, you can't run the right play, you can't read the defense, what the defense is running at you, then it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. I'll put this kid in who's going to go out there and make plays. He may mess up, but he's not afraid to do something. And that's where Tyrone – that's why I see with Tyrone Swoops. He's afraid to actually do something. And that's what's holding that Texas offense back because the defense was one of the top in the nation last year. They were, they were top three in almost every statistical category in the Big 12. And the Big 12 has some high-powered offenses. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> when they played those high-powered offenses, nobody was blowing Texas out. Taking Charlie Strong knew what he was. He was like, "All right, Tyrone, you turn around, hand these run, hand this ball off to these running backs, and we're gonna go out there and play some defense." And I think that's what you're going to see again. But the defense is going to be a little bit better because they're getting some Charlie Strong recruits, and you're going to see a little bit more reliance on some freshmen that you may not have seen under old Mac Brown. Because I think that's what Charlie is having to contend with at this moment: the stagnation that was Mac Brown's end of tenure at Texas, where it was just like he was just resting on his laurels. Like, oh, you see what I did with Vince Young in there mm-hmm. back in the day, right? <laughs> and Colt McCoy, yeah, we're a long way from that. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't go anywhere with anybody anymore. And that's why they had to get him out of there. And I think Charlie is going to do an excellent job. Now, beating Notre Dame, maybe not. Getting <laughs> blown out by Notre Dame, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to get blown out. I think, I think Brian Kelly is going to have them boys ready. I think that offense is going to come out firing on all cylinders. And if if Texas doesn't score points early, they're going to be in trouble, cousin. They're I'm going to tell you this. Who, how great is that um, Notre Dame rushing attack? Let's just be honest. How great is it? Is it? Yeah, they, they lost a lot, and they, they did. I think the person that was going to be the starter left in the either got suspended, I believe, Fred for the season. Bryant. Yeah, yep, so. Bryant. They, they they definitely are not going to be – I don't see Notre Dame being great on offense this year, although I do like Malik Zaire. I think he's going to have a wonderful year. Um, if you can make Everett Golston transfer, you must be a good player. So, um, But but the thing for Notre Dame that I think is the most important thing is that defense and the experience they bring back. If I'm not mistaken, they bring back 10 starters on defense. Mm-hmm. And for a, t- for a team in Texas that, has n- that doesn't have an off- offensive identity – and that doesn't have a quarterback who, at least at this point, has shown that he can lead a team to wins, especially on the road. I was looking at some of the some of the statistics from last year, and th- the three best off or excuse me, the three best defenses that Texas played last year towards the end of the year was um, TCU, and in the bowl game against Arkansas, and then also they played um, later in the season. I believe they played Kansas State. In those three games combined, they had 17 total points. 
And if you can only get 17 total points in three games, I don't know what you're going to do on the road at Notre Dame with 10 returning starters and a defense that is known to be pretty good over the past couple of years. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to you're going to ball control. You're going to limit mm-hmm. the amount of time that Notre Dame offense can have on the field. And Charlie Strong understands how to do that. Yep. Think about when he was at Louisville, when he first started out at Louisville. He didn't have a quarterback, but Louisville was able to win games because they controlled the clock. He was like, hey, I uh, and don't forget that Charlie Strong still has eight returning starters on that offense, and he's going to mm-hmm. have a very veteran offensive line. And that's very important because it's going to keep yeah. the pressure off, off your quarterback. Didn't he have Terry Bridgewater when he got to Louisville? No, he, he recruited Teddy Bridgewater. To yeah, like like a year in. That he didn't he wasn't right out. He wasn't right out. Terry Bridgewater for like four years. Like he, he got him relatively quick. He got him in year two, but those first two years before Like I'm not. Listen, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that that Charlie Strong isn't going to turn the program around. Um, they, I, I, I think that. I, we all know that. Um, but you're you're not going to walk into Notre Dame like like all oh, the points my man Brian just said. You're not going to walk into Notre Dame. You're not going to walk into South Bend raucous crowd at night. Uh, well-oiled machine on offense. It, I don't. I ain't ain't gonna happen. Um, it, if they have some, if they can score, man. If they can run the ball, if they can move the ball offensively, if the quarterback doesn't turn the ball over, they got a chance. They they got a pretty good chance. But I, I mean, I, I just I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe next year. Maybe I mean, they might be they're, they're, like like to, Texas is one of those teams to me that's like a year away. They, they're like yo. In a couple in a year or two, they're gonna be really, really, really good. Right now, it's like, yo, if they just had this or they just had that. That that's how I feel mm-hmm. about Texas right now. And if they the if they just had is a quarterback and, and they don't have it and going in, it, it'll be a tough test. It'll be if I tell you what, if they win, I's gonna be wide open. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be hey, wide open. Hey, but see, I don't think Charlie Strong wants to go in and Notre Dame and win right now because then then he he's at expectations, he, expectations skyrocket. You know, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. he can he can ease into it. Mm-hmm. If you went at Notre Dame, it's like, oh baby, we going that. We, hey, we oh, going yeah. to the ship. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's only one game. Yeah. Them good old boys gonna get real excited. What? <laughs> gonna get real excited. I, I will say this: I am excited to see that Notre Dame defense, just for the sheer fact I get to watch Jalen Smith run sideline to sideline yep. on at that linebacker position. That kid is so fast, and he brings so much violence to his tackles just because yeah. he's so fast. I think that – I mean, I'm with you. That 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 defense has a ton of talent, and this game is, is in my opinion – I mean, aside from the obvious ones like Ohio State going on the road and stuff, this is one of the more intriguing, maybe the most intriguing game as far as what it's going to do for both of these teams going forward. I think if Texas wins this game, as you, you guys both said, expectations skyrocket, but also maybe confidence skyrockets. They're able to compete with some of the people like TCU and Baylor that they've struggled against. And if, but if Notre Dame wins, it's going to be kind of that, hey, you know what, we are as advertised. We are a national championship contender this year. And that confidence in, in South Bend rises, and then that team skyrockets. But I think vice versa, the loser of this game has, has a really tough schedule because for both teams, this isn't the toughest game for both teams. Oh, no, by no means is this the toughest game by, uh, for both teams. I mean, it's just a fantastic matchup to see yep. where you stand at the beginning of the, of the season. And that's the same thing with the Texas A&M-Arizona um, State matchup. I think that's – you could say that about every matchup we've talked spoken about thus far. It's a great measuring stick to see, all right, we're coming out of uh, spring football, you know, the, old, the all, 
OTAs. You know, just let's let's see what we got now. We I'm tired of hitting hitting my own players. Let's hit somebody else and, yep. and let's go out and make a play. Somebody eventually somebody's gonna have to make a play and maybe one or two of these games will, will come down to it, but it, it's it's just a wait and see, so to speak. Now, the game I know everybody's waiting for, I, and I'm not one of them, honestly. <laughs> I'm not. Because I don't think... Because you know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Because you know what's going to happen. It's like it. Alabama, Wisconsin, uh-huh. it, it sounds good on paper. It looks good on paper. It reads very well. It reads like a classic novel, you know. But there's one thing that you felt that you, you people fail to forget. Wisconsin can't throw the ball. Alabama mm-hmm. does one thing well, and they do this better than any other team. They will stop you from running the ball. That's their number one mm-hmm. thing they do. It's like, oh, you threw a 70-yard touchdown? That's cool. You're not going to open us up. We're going to make you one-dimensional. And once we make you one-dimensional, the game is over. Yeah, I remember. You remember? Hold on, everybody. In, uh, I know all of us remember that Michigan game when we huh. ranked in the top oh, yeah. ten. We were together for that game. <laughs> yeah, we were together for that game. And Michigan went out there, <laughs> looked like some scrub JD team that belonged. On, they got on blown the, out the, the water. Still. Alabama set the tone from the beginning. Yep. But it. Go ahead. I no, think, go ahead. Go ahead. So one one thing about Alabama, which if there's anybody I was going to turn or, or fix this, it's Nick Saban. But their secondary was was below Alabama standards last. I'm not going to say they were bad because they're still better than 90 percent of the country. But they gave up a ton of explosive plays, over 30 yard passes, long runs. They were poor at tackling, poor at man coverage. So what I'm really looking forward to in this game is just seeing if they've changed that. But like you alluded to, we're talking about Wisconsin. They're not going to be throwing the ball down the field all that much. So. I think with the front seven in Alabama, you got the best front seven in the country coming back. I think that you're absolutely right. They shut down the run. There's no Melvin Gordon to bail Wisconsin out. They'll have some good running backs. They have a good offensive line. But if you're one-dimensional against Alabama, you're in trouble. One more point on that Alabama-Wisconsin game I want to make. The teams that have beaten uh, Alabama in the past three or four years, think about what they have. You got Johnny Manziel, dual threat. You got Cardell Jones, dual threat. You got Nick Marshall, Tim Tebow. Nick Marshall from Auburn yep. two years ago, dual threat. Even uh, Ole Miss last year, Bo Wallace was a dual threat. He could run the ball. Joel Stave cannot run the ball. He, he only throws. He he only completed fifty three percent of his passes last year. I'm with you all. I think I think maybe Wisconsin can get a, a big play or two or have some big plays to get their crowd excited. But at the end of the day, we're talking about like forty to ten here Ooh. in a classic Alabama. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna give y'all something real quick because you know I think Alabama's gonna win. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make this point. Last year, before we knew who Melvin Gordon was, uh, Wisconsin ran all over LSU, and Wisconsin ran all mm-hmm. over some SEC defense. Wisconsin ran all over a lot of teams before we knew who Melvin Gordon was. I'm not going to put it past them that they don't have the ability to possibly do the same, but I think you're right. They don't have the quarterback, the right quarterback, to get it done. But, but yeah. uh, you know, if again, they might have some early success. I, I think this is a little bit different than that Michigan matchup. I, maybe, uh, but probably not. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> 40 to 10, but it, 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 it'll be pretty ugly. If it, You know, they're they going to bring the whole state of Alabama up there to Texas. So, yeah, I, I, I think it'll be – yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Just – 
Don't don't sleep on that run game. That run game solid. That, that's what, that run game been solid the last <laughs> three years. No, I mean, <laughs> so, you, you can't sleep on the Wisconsin run game, the rushing game, man. I mean, the Melvin Gordon's backup, which is Corey Clement. Corey Clement actually averaged almost seven yards a carry last season, and he rushed. Yeah, he, he can, can play. play. The kid can play. I think he's he might be better than Melvin Gordon. And you remember, you remember James White. Mm-hmm. Mel, uh, Melvin, who came after oh, yeah. Melvin Gordon? Everybody said James White was a good running back, but Melvin Gordon was better than him, and, and he and he proved that. And now everybody's saying Melvin Gordon was a very good running back, but Corey, Corey mm-hmm. Clement is better than Melvin Gordon. And when you got these these kids that come straight from Wisconsin, and all they do is eat cheese and drink milk and put on pounds. <laughs> All they want to do is hit people and run the Terrible ball. State. So, Terrible state. <laughs> it's going to be a fan. Hey, I'm going to tell you. Seven on seven smash mouth football is going to make a return because we're talking oh, yeah. about Wisconsin running the ball. Hell, Alabama has has probably, what, the biggest running back it, there's been in a while outside of – what was that boy's name that was uh, – with the, outside of Brandon Jacobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's who Derrick Henry reminds me of. But oh, yeah. Brandon Jacobs with more skill and a lot. And that, and, that, and that big boy, listen, you, you might see run game versus run game. You might get it. You might get what looks to be an ugly game, but I don't think Wisconsin's defense is going to be able to slow down uh, um, Alabama. I, 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 and that, that's that's going to be the difference in the game. And I think I think uh, if like you said, the quarterback, whoever the quarterback, you know, whoever they decided to be, whether that's Coker or the other kid or the other two kids. Um, they're going to be able to have the ability to throw the ball down the field. And that's the mm-hmm. one thing that Wisconsin's not going to be able to do. Um, they're going to be in a lot of third and eight, third and nines. They're going to be in some the, – the, the, the chains are not going to be in their favor in this game. Um, and I think because of that, yeah, Wisconsin's going to get blown out. Yeah, and t- two more quick points on this in this game, spe- specifically um, relating to Alabama. I was reading a couple weeks ago, apparently Nick Saban in the weight room the entire offseason – replayed the highlights from the Ohio State-Alabama game where Ohio State was running the ball down their throats late in the game. And um, what he mentioned is his team this year is much hungrier than they've been the past couple years. And I think when you get embarrassed in the last game of the season like that, it tends to it tends to happen. I mean, they gave it what 41, 42 points. Yeah. To, to and they were up. They were up. They were winning they were 21 up. to six. Yes. They were winning. <laughs> Let me make one more point. I, I read I read an article um, this offseason, also, also to, to your point, that Alabama brought in Ohio State's former offensive coordinator, who is now the head coach somewhere else, I don't know where, and literally sat him down and, and told him, break down, tell me how you beat us. <laughs> and, and, because, and because of a coach like that, because Nick Saban is that guy, that's why I go Nick Saban to prove it otherwise. This guy yeah. says, listen, y'all beat us. Y'all did something that most teams can't do, and y'all did it better than anybody's done it the past four years. Okay, how did you do it? So yeah. I, you know, so I, th- I think I just convinced myself. Yeah, 40, 40 to ten. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and one other thing to watch in that game, um, Kenyon Drake, running back for Alabama. Under, now I'm not gonna say underrated, but underutilized so far. He has some off the field issues. He got in Saban's doghouse in his freshman season last year. Broke his leg against Ole Miss. I think early October, late September. So he's never been able to shine. Everything I've seen from this kid in high school, everything I've seen the couple times he's gotten touches for, for Saban, he is that Percy Harvin type talent. I mean, he's able to catch the ball, run the ball, throw. He can do it all. And they're, they're going to feature him in this offense. I see him getting 15 touches a game. 
And uh, he's going to be special this year. Expect him to be kind of an all-SEC, under-the-radar guy that not a lot of people may know about yet, but they'll know about him after week one. I, 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 I was going to mention him. They're going, they plan on moving him all around the field because yep. he can line up in the slot. He can line up in the backfield. He can line up out wide if you need him to. He's going to be one of those type of players for Alabama. And Alabama hasn't had one of those type of players in a, a long time. Yeah. Dare I say, like, David Palmer? <laughs> long time? Yeah. yeah. Hey, and if you don't know who David Palmer is, <laughs> Go look back in your almanac. Oh, yeah. I just aged myself. I said almanac. That's Go old Google school. it. <laughs> Go Google it. Man, that's oh, man. A that's not obsolete. <laughs> no, nah, they still make them. They still, they're still printing the almanacs, man. They're still printing them. <laughs> but at, at, we're, you were talking about Joel Stiving. When was the last time Wisconsin's had a true quarterback? Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and he transferred that his last year. He yeah. was at NC State. They huh. ran him out of NC State. Hold on, they ran him out of NC State for Mike Glennon. <laughs> <laughs> NC State. How that worked out for you? How did that work out for you? How did that work out? Oh man, but my Jesus. But yeah, Joel Stave might be the might rival uh, Mitch Leidner for the worst quarterback in the Big Ten this year. Oh, man. Man, are you talking about my man from Minnesota? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, talking. my goodness. Who did he have to throw the ball to, though? Like, I mean, not not that I – Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's did, not we, did we get on Minnesota already? I know I had some technical difficulties. Did we do that already? Yes, we did, we that, did already. that already. Okay, all right. So I won't, I won't, I won't be long, but don't, don't <laughs> sleep on Minnesota. Don't, don't sleep on Minnesota. <laughs> If if I don't think they're gonna beat TCU, but if if that guy has anybody to throw the ball to, man, that that's gonna be a tough out, man. Minnesota's I mean, gonna be a tough out. That's a good team, man. Yeah, they're a good team, but at the same time, when your quarterback only completes fifty one percent of his passes, you can't blame that on not having not, anybody. That, to that's, throw that's, the ball that's not just on the that's not just on the quarterback. <laughs> that's not just on the quarterback. It's a lot. It's a lot that goes into it. I. I I couldn't name a wide receiver, and I still can't name a wide receiver. If I'm not mistaken, <laughs> uh, I want to say I read somewhere that their leading re- receiver coming back has 13 career receptions. They don't have anybody to throw the ball to. <laughs> so, they're they gonna have a hard time, but but I still think I still think that's a good, solid, tough team. Uh, that's gonna be a tough out. I, I <laughs> I'm tempted. I'm tempted by Minnesota. Um, they they actually remind me of. Um, an Illinois team when we Stop were uh, no, 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 I'm gonna make a fair comparison. Listen to me, I'm gonna make a fair comparison. I was there, I'm gonna make a fair comparison back in 2007 when we went to the Rose Bowl. It was the same type of team. I'm not saying they go to the Rose Bowl, we got lucky. A lot of people lost, uh, I think Ohio State, we beat them, and then somebody lost, and somebody else lost, and we ended up taking that spot. So, I'm not saying it like oh, we were world beaters. But I'm saying that's a good, solid team that's got a chance at eight and four. They got a good chance at eight, four, nine, and three if they win some tough game. Okay, all right. <laughs> Minnesota's okay. gonna end up. That's a tough team, man. Listen, they're not. Stop it. They're not gonna beat TCU. But but listen, they played TCU last year, and if you look at the stats, the only team that they struggled against was Minnesota. 
But they still won a 30 to 7. Yeah, I know, but it wasn't a 30 to 7 ball game. Yes, it was. Uh, no, no, it was it was 30 to 7. It was 30 to 7 because my man didn't have nobody to throw the ball to. That's the only reason why. He didn't have anybody to throw the ball to. That's why. If that guy, listen, if he has one person to throw the ball to, they score 14 at least. All right, give him, give him two. <laughs> <laughs> shows up on that offense. Watch out for Minnesota, man. I'm not saying world beaters, not by a long shot, but that's a good solid team. They got some athletes. We just don't know who they are. All right. All right. So that sounds like that might be might be your upset call. Are we going to do upset calls? No, 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 no. no. I said I'm tempted. I said I'm tempted. Tempted. My my, my good brother, I I am not stupid, but I am tempted. Okay. 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 He is not into temptation. <laughs> All right. So, anybody want to talk Ohio State, Virginia Tech, or is everybody convinced that Ohio State's not going to lay an egg in the first game of the season like they did last year? I mean, if we must, if we must talk about them, we I don't mean, have to. That's what I mean. Saying. We don't have to. But since you mentioned the, mentioned the champs out of the Big Ten, since everybody's throwing their little oh SEC, all of the you know, well, since we mentioned it the champs. Uh, we already know what they're returning. We already know what they're returning on offense and defense. They didn't lose anything. Um, I, I think this is this is the one game that everybody on their team, this is like the second part of their championship. This is like a redo for them. And I think they, they <laughs> I'm calling a lot of ups, uh, not upsets, but blowouts. They might go up to Blacksburg and, and knock them out. I don't, I don't know if they're going to let that happen. And I think your boy uh, Urban Meyer with the commercial, he knows what's coming. He, he knows, hey, they're they coming for us. We got this playoff. We got the championship. They want what's ours. And Virginia Tech's one of those teams. And Virginia Tech uh, is the one team that, you know, I guess they got a little bit of bragging rights to say, we were the one team that beat you, whether it was the first game of the season or not. We beat you. <laughs> so they're not going to be scared. But I also think Ohio State, they're going to go ready to take care of business. Different result this year. I'm very interested to see who the starting quarterback is. I think – and and I think for Ohio State, that would be the best-case scenario. I'm a huge Cardell Jones fan, but he still hasn't played a true road game. All the games that he started in last year were neutral Absolutely. site games. Absolutely. He, has, he hasn't had to face that hostile crowd yet. Um, I mean, granted, he'll probably be able to do okay in that, but I'd rather see – if I'm an Ohio State guy, I'd rather see JT Barrett start. And the one thing I'm worried about with Ohio State, losing uh, their receiver that got drafted in the last year's draft, Devin Smith, and then Noah Brown got hurt last week, broke his leg. He's out. They don't have a ton of – of experience at the wide receiver position coming back. Granted, they've recruited well. Urban Meyer should be able to plug and play there, but you got to have some talent to go into Blacksburg at night in prime time to win a football game. And I, I think Virginia Tech might be getting overlooked here. I'm not going to call it like you. I'm not going to call it my upset, but watch out. Hey, man, watch listen, out. Well, listen, we said the same thing. Hold on. We said the same thing about <laughs> their quarterbacks. After, yeah, after yeah. all their quarterbacks That's went down, and we see how that worked out. I, I don't know, man. I don't. I think. I think plug and play, just like you said earlier, plug and play. Oh, that guy goes down. We put this guy in. It's plug and play, man. As long as, yeah, we, it, as long as the quarterbacks there, they're gonna be all right. It is. It, it, I think Ohio State will be all right, but you do have to remember that. But Foster still has something to prove. He wants to prove that his game plan was not a fluke in being Ohio State. Yeah, right. Yeah, don't touche, sleep, touche. Don't sleep on Bud Foster. And you know what? The game to beat a team like Ohio State. And the way that Virginia Tech did, they won on – they didn't – they they basically won on the defensive side of the ball and special teams. And that's what both mm-hmm. – mm-hmm. 
I mean, watch. I wouldn't be surprised to see Virginia Tech blocks a kick for a touchdown, and that ends up being the difference in this game. I wouldn't be surprised that I'm not calling it. It, 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 like, it typically happens with Frank Beamer team, so I, I'll definitely give it to you. But yeah, let's not forget that Urban Meyer is the special teams guru. Who, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. he got that from Frank Beamer. If if I'm not mistaken, so I mean, it, there's not gonna, there's not it, the Ohio State could very easily block the, block a kick for them all at the same time. So I don't know, man. I I, I think uh, in the world of coaching, they, they're on the same level, but talent for talent. Uh, the only thing Virginia Tech has going for them for me is they're at home. <laughs> so I mean, other than that, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see any advantage. I don't see any uh, advantage. They're gonna have to force a lot of turnovers, man. They gonna have to force at least three to me to hey. win the ball game. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Ohio State does find a way to win. And Urban Meyer is being being a Gator guy. Urban Meyer, I, I, I know from experience, he is a master at revenge games. He gets the team motivated. No question. And he, he, I, I don't know that he's ever lost a revenge game to be honest with you. So. I think they'll be ready to play. I just think this is one of those games that people may think they can turn off at halftime Monday night. I think this game goes into at least the, the start of the fourth quarter, maybe even midway through, before Ohio State's comfortable okay. getting out of there with the W. I know. I, I think Ohio State, at the beginning of the game, they're going to show a heavy, heavy, heavy reliance on Ezekiel Elliott. And mm-hmm. um, that that could eventually lead to the downfall because if you can't if, if you're not balanced against against Bud Foster, Bud Foster will find a way to beat you with that defense. You have to be yeah. balanced against a Virginia Tech team. They, it's just too much experience, and they've seen it all. It's like, oh, we know we've seen what you want to do, Urban. We've got a we've had a whole off season prepped for you. Now let's see what you got again. Because yeah. well, you you weren't ready to to. For us last time, and we were ready for you. So don't think we're not going to be ready for you again. Well, well I, I'm gonna say this, and and I do. We, we made the, uh, the the quarterback comparison earlier uh, with Cordell Jones and, and JT Barrett, um, and you mentioned being balanced. I, I think JT Barrett um, gives them that that extra guy that you have to defend because he's he's a much more explosive uh, runner than Cordell Jones is, and and I think that he he helps alleviate um or he helps offset the focus being on um what, what's my man's name ezekiel uh Elliot. what's his name yeah, yeah. ezekiel Elliott. I, I think he alleviates some of that pressure um you know and then you you've you got the defense to you know nick bosa leading the way um that linebacker core solid man i, I i'm <laughs> i hear you guys i hear y'all uh but I, I i don't as much as you you guys love urban meyer as much as i hate him i think that guy is gonna have them boys ready uh, they, they, it's gonna be it's gonna be a business trip, and I, I think they. I, I'm not gonna say they're gonna put them away early. I do have a lot of respect for for Bud Foster and Frank Beamer, but I, but I I don't know. I think Urban Meyer he gonna set the tone early, man. Ohio State's gonna set the tone and let everybody know that last year wasn't a fluke, and we coming back with even more. Watch out. Okay, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I think we all are. I we. we that, that, I, I don't think anybody is picking any matchups, uh, any upsets in these matchups, unless somebody wants to uh, jump on, jump no, on I, the record and say so. I've well, got a who couple. We got? I, you you want to you go down the rundown? Because I, I missed a portion of that. I, I, I apologize. I do, well, I do have a couple upsets, but it's not in those big games. It's kind of, kind of some different ones, but we'll get there. All right. All right. Well, uh, no. That, uh, well, we're, we're, we're running it, running into that time. I know. Is is we're about to the end of the show, so that's what I wanted to get into, you know, to to make our official picks for who we think is going to win 
um, uh, these matchups that we I'd say we can even go with the, if you want to do the matchups that we've covered, or we can we can pull some random ones out out the hat. But go 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 with the ones. I think the ones we covered were pretty good. Unless you got some more on the side, I think the ones we, we covered are pretty good. I, I don't. I know Brian said he had some on the side, so I want to hear what okay, Brian right. what, what he had. So I definitely want to. Uh, yeah, I mean these are not the big games of the week, but there are a couple games that I think people need to be aware of that have that upset potential that when you turn to the TV on, uh, when you turn to the channel on Saturday night and when you see the bottom line, don't be surprised. It's not a big game, but I got three of them. The first one is uh, Iowa, uh, Illinois State at Iowa. It may sound crazy to some people, but Iowa has struggled to start the season early on in the past couple of years. 2013, they lost to Northern Illinois in a neutral site game at, at Soldier Field in Chicago. And then 2014, they beat Northern Iowa by only eight points at home. And then they only beat Ball State by four points. And they had to get a late touchdown to win that game. Illinois State was the runner up in FCS last year, losing to North, North Dakota State by two points. They almost won the, D, the D1AA is what we used to call it, mm-hmm. championship. Don't be surprised if Iowa struggles early in that game and, and falls behind. They've had some really slow starts the past couple of years. Uh, quickly touch on two other ones, West Virginia, Georgia Southern. Everybody loves West Virginia going into every season. They got a strong offense. But Georgia Southern went into Florida two years ago and beat them. They almost beat Georgia Tech in week two last year. And that Georgia Southern triple option offense, I played in that offense for Paul Johnson. He used to be at Georgia Southern, then he went to Navy, then he went to uh, Georgia Tech. That's a ball control offense. West Virginia is a high-flying offense. Those type of offenses, when they don't get the ball, they tend to struggle to get their their flow and to get their tempo going. Georgia Southern is going to control that clock. I think Vegas has them as a 30-point underdog, 20-point underdog. Georgia I Southern take will, that money. I yeah, take Georgia, that money. Georgia Southern is going to keep that game close late. And the, the last one is uh, Penn State Temple. I think people see Penn State and they see Temple and they say, oh, Penn State's the bigger school with more talent. And although they have more talent, Temple was the fourth-rated defense last year in ter- takeaways and in uh, points per game with 17.5. Penn State struggled to score at times last year. Their offensive line play was terrible. Um, unless they made some great improvements, they play at Temple week one. It wouldn't shock me at all if that game's close late. Hey, man. Don't, hey, you, you did some homework, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 some he, convinced me, he convinced me a little bit on that on that Illinois State-Iowa. I was, you know, I went to school in Illinois, and I'm like, Northern, I'll give you, you know, uh, what's that, Northern Iowa? I, I'll give you that. Those, those mm-hmm. are some good teams. I'm like, Illinois State. No, oh, but Illinois State is oh, good. Is good? Like, oh, oh. Yeah, they got some oh, talent. Okay. I don't know where well, they got it, but they got some talent. We give credit where it's due. We give credit where it's due. <laughs> but you know what? That, um, what was the last matchup you just said? No, the second one. Um, um, West Virginia, Georgia Southern. Yes, West Virginia, Georgia Southern. West Virginia is going to have a tough time on defense, yeah. being able to to play to to know their assignments with that uh, that three three five defense that they mm-hmm. play because they're going to be all mm-hmm. over the field and yep. they're not going to be they're not going to know what to do with that that triple option. That triple option is difficult to stop. It's yeah, shout difficult. out to shout out to Paul Johnson, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's made a good living running that triple option. Yes, he has. Oh, yeah. Yes, he has. And heck, he might depending on how the um, how fortunes lay for him. I, at I see where you're going with this. I see where you're going. He's got a good <laughs> shot. This I see where you're going. Yeah. All right, so let's go, Michigan, Utah. Let's make it official. Eric, who you got? Utah. Brian, go blue, Michigan. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to have to side with Whittingham and, and the Utes on this one only because they're at home. Yeah. Only because they're at home. All right. So we got Louisville, Auburn. Who you got, Brian? I'm going to roll with the SEC in these early matchups. So I got to go with Auburn. I think Jeremy Johnson gets the job done. And I see that being – that could be a blowout. Eric? Auburn's offense is going to be too much. I'm going Auburn. All right. Jeremy Johnson for Heisman. <laughs> Remember, I, I said it in the – didn't I say it in, our, in, in the preview show, Eric? You said it. I'm going to keep saying it. Jeremy okay. Johnson for Heisman. I actually told somebody the other day that I actually think Auburn might win the national championship just because of the, the addition of Muschamp and the transition that that defense is going to make week to week and yep. becoming a whole lot better. All yeah, right. If they, if they come out of that division, I, yeah, I give them a chance. Arizona State, Texas A&M. Who you got, Eric? I'm going Arizona State in a close one. Close one? On a close one. All right, Brian. I know you say you're running with the SEC in these early matchups. You got Texas A&M in this? Yeah, I don't think – I don't know when the last time was that I went against the SEC in a week one matchup. They always seem to find a way to pull it out. I think the speed on offense and the new defensive scheme from John Chavis gets it done. I go with the Aggies. Okay, okay. I'm with you on that. I think I don't think that the, the speed gets it done. I think it becomes a shootout, and I think that Texas A&M has more weapons on their offense than Arizona State does at this point in time in the season, and they win. Uh, they, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a combined, uh, 80 points plus put on the board. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised just because Texas no Arizona State defense, man. I, I'm not sleeping on Arizona State. <laughs> no defense. All right, Texas Notre Dame. Who's up? Go for it. It doesn't matter. Take go it. Go for it. Go for it, cause you got it. Oh, I go for it. <laughs> I'm going Notre Dame. I know I, t- I know I talked up Charlie Strong a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I wasn't raised to be a fool. <laughs> and I do like Malik Zaire and what he's got the the, the added um, dimension of being a mobile quarterback, more mobile than Everett Golson, and not afraid to use his mobility. I do like what he that added. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I just drew a blank, but I do like Notre Dame. I'm going Notre Dame. I'm a, I'm gonna stick with you. I'm gonna go with Notre Dame as well. Um, they're at home. I don't think Texas has enough on offense to get it done. I think Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame wins by by at least ten. Okay. And I think I'll go ahead and make it three for three. Um, I I think that Notre Dame has too much talent on defense, and Texas has had too many question marks on offense the past three or four years. Um, and the other thing is, I think that uh, this could be the the jumping off point of Malik Zaire's Heisman campaign. I know he's only got really one or two games under his belt from last year, but that kid can play. And like I said, if you make a Everett Golson led them to the national championship game three years ago, and then this kid came in as a redshirt freshman and made him transfer, that that tells me something. I think he's gonna have a special year. So I got Notre Dame. Okay. Wisconsin, Alabama. Eric, roll tide. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and make this one short and sweet. I'm I, I can't say those words, but uh, I'll say <laughs> I, I'll say Alabama. Alabama wins that one by double digits. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and complete the sweep before, and and we'll go ahead and uh, roll with Bama. Now I'm gonna throw a, I'm gonna throw one out there for you. 
a game we haven't even talked about. Okay. But a game that uh, – I'll, I'll throw two out there, two intriguing matchups that we haven't talked about that could probably end up being a good game. First, let's go with UNC, South Carolina. You got the border war there. Who you got, Brian? So, keeping with the theme of the SEC, I, I just think early in the season, that speed shocks teams from other conferences. And, uh, you know, again, being, being a, a, a born and raised a Gator, um, I, I still have a little bit of an affinity for Steve Spurrier. The, the, old, the, the head ball coach can still call the plays. So, I got South Carolina by, by a touchdown. Okay. Eric, I'm, who you got? I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to go back to your SEC theme. Um, I want to say the Gamecocks are at home. Um, South Carolina, oh, both teams usually have some some talent. Um, but, you know, as we stated before we went on, man, North Carolina, I mean, I feel like they're both two underachieving teams, but I mm-hmm. think in the, in the matchup of underachieving teams, I'm going South Carolina. Okay, a matchup of underachieving teams. Um, <laughs> I like North Carolina. I'm going to tell you this. I like North Carolina just for the sheer experience that they bring back. I know it's kind of hard going against an SEC team at home. But I think South Carolina has uh, a couple of holes and in positions that they need to figure out. And I don't think the first game of the season against an experienced-laden team like North Carolina is that time to figure these out. And I do think North Carolina goes into South Carolina and pulls off that uh, upset first first game of the season, if you call it an upset. And the second one. BYU Nebraska. And this one is just for you, Eric, because you fell in love with Taysom. Ah, you know, ah, you you put me on the spot. I wasn't I thought she was gonna go Washington Boise State. You you kind of go in a different direction for me. Uh, You know what? Um if if I'm not mistaken, I think Nebraska lost uh their running back and, and quarterback, if if I'm not mistaken, to the league. Um, and they, and they, their head coach, and their head coach. Uh, they they they're going through a pretty tough transition. They'll be at home, uh, but I, I I think BYU gets it done, and I think BYU uh, BYU might shock you a little bit because I think BYU might have heard you talking. Okay, I hear. You. Is, is right, this official? Are we going official on these last? Yeah, year? this is official. <laughs> this is official. <laughs> right. BYU man, Brigham Young. Okay. Brian, who you got? Yeah, I think he made some great points. I mean, uh, the, the Amir Abdullah is now with the Lions. He, I think he was a second-round pick, maybe. Uh, he was kind of he was the MVP for them last year. He, he was to kind of yeah. do everything. Uh, they lost their coach. Mike Riley coming in from Oregon State is a good coach, but he has to change the culture around there. He has to change the culture, and he's got to get his recruits in there to start winning. And, uh, Eric, I know you might be surprised, man, but uh, I'm a big Taysom Hill fan. I think that guy was rolling towards the Heisman after four games last year before, before he got hurt. Yeah. Tell him. You better so, tell him. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and say I think the Cougars get it done. I'm going to BYU. That's it. And you're lucky they're not at home or they'd have blew them out. <laughs> oh, oh. Come on, man. Come on, man. You know what? I was hoping I would get one of y'all to, to, to slip up nah. and, and roll with the brass. That's because. But, no, nah, I'm going BYU. BYU. You know, I may disrespect Taysom Hill a little bit, but the, the kid is talented. He yep. can't throw too, too well, <laughs> but um, he sure knows how to take off and scramble. Yep. And, I mean, that's something that no team has been able to stop yet, and he is the offense. They put the ball in it. They make sure – it's kind of like Little League football that BYU plays. 
put your best athlete at quarterback, and if things break down, tell him to take off running. <laughs> that's, and that's what it does. Well, um, we got our, we got everything in the books. It's official. You can see it here. I got it marked down. You might not be able to see it too well, but it is official. I got them written down. I'm going to be keeping stats. So we're going to see who's, who's the best as the season goes along. And if you like to play along with us, you're more than welcome to. Um, you can um, reach me at uh, on what Instagram, Twitter, and I guess now on Blab at Darrington G. It's pretty simple. If you know me and you know my last name, you can put the two together and you can get to me. Uh, Eric, where can they find you? Uh, Coach E. Burns on Twitter, Periscope, and um, and Blab, and Mr. Performance. Uh, one, Mr. Performance One on Snapchat and uh, Instagram. Boy, you, you're on too much social media. <laughs> man, you yeah, you got to take advantage of it, man. It's going to be big for us, man. It's going to be big. I, uh, I forgot. You can find me at Darrington G on Periscope, too. Yeah, that's you it. Probably, you can probably catch me during tomorrow, uh, well, on Thursday when these games are on. I'll be Periscoping. Brian, mm-hmm. where can they find you? I'm not as social media savvy as y'all two, but I got a, I got a, I got IG. I think, matter of fact, I need to remember what my name is. I think it's, uh, I think it's the Guru. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's, you know what it is, it's the Guru 35. That's my high school number. So the Guru 35. And then on uh, Twitter, I'm going to start tweeting a little bit more than I have. It's uh, the college, the CFB Guru, at the CFB Guru. So um, again, I, I appreciate you welcoming me to the uh, podcast. And uh, this is a blast. I'm looking forward to talking football with y'all all season. Hey, man, I appreciate all of y'all. Hey, and everybody that tuned in with us live, if you're listening to this now, just know that you can find us on Blab. We'll be doing we'll be doing these shows live once a week, especially with college football, and we'll be having an NFL show. I just got to get with these cats and find out when we're going to be doing it. So uh, I appreciate everybody, and